Hello and welcome to the Californiography Podcast. I am your host, Javier Servin, aka Fuhauser. Hope y'all are doing well. I'm stoked about today's podcast because I got to sit down and chat with Eric Craig from the South LA Recap. The South LA Recap is Eric's online platform where he explores the vast history, neighborhoods, businesses, and people in South Los Angeles. I recently had the opportunity to collaborate with Eric on a video on the history of Fatburger. I had a great time working on the video and learned so much from him that I wanted to keep the learning going. I got to sit down and ask Eric about his background and how that informs his work. I also nerded out about his research skills and got to ask him questions about my favorite South LA recap videos. Two programming notes before we get into the interview. First, we recorded it outdoors in Frogtown right next to the LA River. So you'll hear the occasional bike zooming by or birds chirping. I wish this was a video podcast because you wouldn't believe how beautiful the LA River is in that part of the city. The second note, near the end of the conversation, right around the one hour mark, we had some technical difficulties with the equipment. So there's some slight buzzing sound that happens about three or four times in that minute. I just wanted to give you a heads up so it doesn't catch you off guard. All right, let's jump into the interview. So Eric, first of all, thank you for agreeing to come in on the podcast. Uh, one, for the people that don't know who you are, what you do, why don't you introduce yourself, man? Okay, cool. Well, first, thanks for having me on here. Big fan of your podcast, of your channel. Um, my name is Eric Craig. I run a YouTube channel called The South LA Recap. I've been doing that for about two and a half years. And I like to call it a docu-series uh, on the vast and impressive history, uh, people, and neighborhoods of South LA. Now I had a, a, I did a little digging around, you know, trying to do the, uh, the, um, the Sean Evans Nogwar <laughs> type, you know, kind of trying to get a little prepared, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, I know that you studied political science and communications at uh, Xavier. Is that how you pronounce it? Yep. Xavier. Yep. Um, you know, you were the editor in chief, uh, the editor, yeah, the editor in chief of your school paper. Um, then you went on to write for like publications like Curb mm-hmm. and Alias. Um, and then obviously now in your professional uh, capacity. Um, how did each of those experiences like shape like how you approach your work? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I, I think everything that I, I do, I really approach from a journalistic background. Um, never saw myself as a journalist. Like you said, I went to school for political science. Um, first thing I did when I got to Xavier was join the Xavier Herald, the school newspaper, fell in love with photography, hated writing, didn't think I was good at it at all. Uh, and I had a really great mentor, Miss Melinda Shelton, who um, really pushed, pushed me for photog- uh, to learn photography and pushed me to write. Um, and to the point where that actually became one of my careers. Another professor, Dr. Sharon Roberts, she kind of helped me get my first writing gig that um, really just set off my career. So I say all of that to say that a lot of my work goes back to like really good journalistic values and ethics, making sure like I'm citing sources, I'm talking to people and really understanding the story and writing it as simply as possible while maintaining the story to make sure that there's a wide audience that can understand this story. Right on. Yeah, that that, uh, journalistic integrity is definitely something that um, you don't come across a lot. Um, especially like on social media or like YouTube and stuff like that. So, um, as as a, as a fellow historian, 
and you know nerd i really appreciate that because you know then i you know if something catches my interest i can actually go and be like oh I, like i kind of want to dig a little more into that you know you always leave um, especially i know like you do your videos but then also on your website you know you have like the hyperlinks embedded so you know if, if you're reading along the um the summary of a video you know you can click on a hyperlink and it takes you to that resource it takes you to that newspaper article or whatever so right um so just know that it doesn't go unnoticed by, by fellow uh sticklers for like you know citing your sources and stuff like that so yeah i, I really appreciate, appreciate that. that yeah um so I, I saw i saw an interview that you did um i don't remember if it, it, was, it was like two two publications i saw you did interviews with and one of them um you said that um a funny thing about like you growing up in south la was that you know your wife grew up in, in pasadena right right and you said that um that you've learned that a lot of things that you thought were normal weren't actually normal what was some what are some of those things that you grew up thinking were normal that once you met your wife you realized weren't actually normal yeah i think that was uh, a piece i wrote for the LAist about how i feel in los angeles i think in the perspective of just being like a black person in the city um yeah, my wife, who, number one, she is a big reason why the recap still exists. Every time I want to quit, she's like, no, you're not. Uh, so I, there's nothing but thanks and love for her for all of that, for encouraging me. But um, I, I've learned a lot about just, just neighborhoods. I remember like growing up, uh, my grandmother's house, she lived on a commercial street. She had gates really high, like six feet. Right? Yeah. You know, you don't really see those in neighborhoods. I was like, oh yeah, like most people, they just kind of have a fortress and everybody kind of has a gate along their lines and like the burglar bars on the windows are like, eh, that's, that's just like, why wouldn't you have those in your neighborhood? Um, and then I think learn, like spending more time in Pasadena, I, I kind of see like, oh, like, you know, you can have whole neighborhoods and people can just like walk on your grass and that's just not like in movies and stuff. Uh, or you can have uh, just your windows with like no curtains and people can look straight inside your house. I, I still don't get that. Uh, <laughs> no, true, no I, I, I trust me, man. I, uh, in, my, in, in my neighborhood, that happens all the time. And I'm like, I always keep the shutters closed because I'm just the same thing. I'm like, I don't want anybody looking in. But um, no, I mean, I, I, I briefly uh, grew up in South LA uh, as well. Um, I had to look up and see where I grew up and make sure that it fell within, you know, because I know, I know that the boundaries of South Lake are kind of nebulous. Yeah. But yeah, I grew up on, on uh, Manchester and Avalon for like uh, the first uh, two, three years of my life. And then after that, we moved to 54th and Main. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm you know, familiar, you know, five, the first seven years of my life, I would say, you know, we grew up in South LA. But the stuff you said is true. Like growing up, seeing bars on the windows wasn't, you know, anything too crazy. When I lived on 54th and Main, um, the alley being gated off, you know, just things like that. So yeah, definitely, I, I, I understand what, what you mean for going from there to going somewhere else where you're like, in the neighborhood, you're like, nobody has bars on the windows. The, the curtains are wide open, you know, um, even, even something as like, you know, your, your trash cans are out in the, you know, on the curb, you know, uh, for days, you know, because right. in other neighborhoods that doesn't happen because right. somebody will steal your trash can. Or, right. <laughs> you know, you know, like painting your address on your on your trash can. Like I grew up on that. I was like, yeah, and she was like, what? Just in case. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Um, so, keeping with the with the topic of growing up in South LA, man, um, do you have a favorite memory of growing up in South LA, or like a place that used to be there as when you were a kid that isn't there anymore that you wish was still there? Yeah, I think um, favorite memory. 
a lot of times I always remember going outside the neighborhood. One in the neighborhood um, was the USC Village, which still exists, but is not the same village that I remember and definitely not the same remembered uh, village that people remember in like the 80s and 90s. Um, I, I particularly really like that Flagstaff movie theater. I used to think that was like the best bang for your buck back then. Um, I don't know. It was like, it was USC, but it was like very much still kind of like South LA there. And then now they're just kind of like, you know, they have the underground parking, they have the Trader Joe's, they have the Amazon locker, which I use a lot. Um, they have all these like really nice high-end restaurants, but it's just not that same like down-to-earth feel that, you know, I, I, I kind of have like fond memories of, like walking into that Radio Shack or like those, uh, the bike store that used to be there, or just like the mom and pop, well, I guess they weren't really mom and pop, but like there was a Chinese restaurant in that food court that I really liked too. <laughs> yeah. I would say you, you actually like uh, trigger like memories for me because I, I remember that Village Plaza before it got converted to. It's funny because now that I've been down in, at, at USC, um, I was like, oh yeah, there's a Trader Joe's here. But I, I was like, what used to be here? Like I totally, it got wiped from my memory. And then then once you start, because I've heard you talk about that before. And then I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Like that, that there used to be a theater there and the Radio Shack and all, all that just kind of like came back so yeah it, you you like re-triggered an old memory man um that's cool uh so i was gonna i was gonna you know, kind of you know pick your brain about you know the your your research and your your topics because you know um your your videos kind of like run a your videos run a gamut of like topics right you have like uh food you were doing like food crawls and like food <laughs> reviews uh you're doing like drives down like central avenue uh -huh. um history um you know, happenings in South LA, all that kind of, they kind of fall into, you know, into kind of those big buckets, right? Uh -huh. um, is there a particular type of category that you like enjoy to do that's like your favorite to, to do or are they all kind of like your children and you can't really pick one? Is there a favorite? Um, I can tell you which ones are not my favorite. No, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think sometimes like the school histories I, I do them because I think they're necessary. I, I, they're not always my favorite to do because sometimes like my end result, I take all of the most interesting facts. Uh, but like, for example, manual art, that was after skimming through like 10,000 newspaper articles. And, uh, you know, sometimes you just see the same thing year after year, month after month, week after week. It's rough. Um, Things that were my favorite, I, I don't think that, I don't know, maybe this sounds mean, I don't know. I don't think like any of them are my favorite while I'm working on them, but I love them all as I look back on them. Uh, because like, I really love the comments, like when I, when I produce something, sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't even know about this. And then someone's like, wow, like, thanks for doing this. This brought back memories or I've learned something and I passed by this a hundred times and never seen it. It's like those things that make all of them the favorite because they were like of use to somebody. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Um, so I would, I mean, I, if you ask my wife, it's the food crawl. She's like, a, she was a big proponent behind that one. She's always just sort of like uh, looking up on Yelp. Every, uh, I always joke with her because we'll say like, oh yeah, we're going to go to X, X restaurant. And like two days before she's on Yelp looking at the reviews and looking at all the dishes and the menus. And I'm like, aren't, Aren't you gonna wait until you get there? 
but she loves the food and then like through her like we've been able to like look at a bunch of really great restaurants um and then i'll also say like the food crawls and some of my earlier videos they were still there while i was sort of finding the way of the channel um i was kind of seeing what sticks um <laughs> i was looking back at a couple of videos like the john c fremont video which was like one of my first high school videos and um I was watching it with Ari and we were just kind of laughing because like I had this like lighthearted way of like telling history and for a second I'm almost like did I kind of lose some of that like lightheartedness for like the factual stuff and I've gotten a lot better at the presentation but there was like some charm in that video so it's just interesting looking at how things changed over time. I mean, I, I would say you're still very much charming, man. <laughs> <laughs> I try. I try. Well, I don't try. I try not to try. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, be, I, I still think that your 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 sense of humor kind of still comes through in some of those videos. It's it's almost like, um, you know, like tonally, I guess, when it's appropriate, you know. And, and I think in in at the in the earlier videos, it was still very much appropriate. I think you've kind of like um, delved into like um, some topics where it's just kind of hard like to find the humor or uh, or like you said you know you've you stared at the same thing for ten thousand times or you're just like man you're just devoid of all like like humor because it's like man I'm just so tired of looking at the same thing but it it, it definitely still comes through man your 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 personality your charisma still comes through in those videos man so so don't think don't think that you've lost that part of it you still you still got it I appreciate that I really do. Um, so going going back to um, talking about you know your your videos, um, like I said, I'm a very big fan of your research and how you select resources. Um, first of all, like how how do you go about picking the subjects that you're going to research? And then once you've said, okay, I'm going to do the history of manual arts, or I'm going to do um, you know the history of Wrigley Field in South LA, how does that research process start? And what resources do you use? Well, I have a running list of about like 90 topics growing on like episodes I would like to do on the recap. And um, sometimes it's from viewers. A lot of them like Wrigley Field, um, Wrigley Field I believe that was Benny Espinoza. Uh, he asked about it on the channel, I think after I did the Dunbar Hotel. I have never heard of it. Like I was like, well, what is, what are you talking about? No, I mean, I, I, I learned about Wrigley Field from your video, man, so yeah. Yeah, so I was like, um, okay. And then I looked into it. Same thing, like, I was reading something. Oh, I was on Urbanized LA, like, for the Broadway Hospital. And they were like, oh, yeah, this used to be the former site of the Broadway Hospital. I was like, Broadway Hospital, what's that? And I look, and there's, like, two sentences on a Wikipedia page. Like, there was a hospital here, and it closed. And I'm like, there has to be more to this story. <laughs> so that's kind of how it starts. I get kind of inspired by something or like in the case of the school videos, like I feel like, uh, you know, this is just what I want to finish like the original, I believe eight high schools in South LA. Um, but once I kind of have like a particular topic, um, I start doing some background research. I look uh, on Wikipedia for one not for sources too much, but just to kind of understand like, okay, someone took the time to tell some of the story. Let me see how it's kind of shaped here. After that, I would really like to go back and look at newspaper archives. Um, so I'll spend sometimes weeks just going through, if I can make, make it through like 100 or 200 a day, 
sometimes like five or six hundred like manual arts because it was never ending. Um, <laughs> and uh, most times the stories have maybe about like twelve or thirteen hundred articles. Manual arts was just it just it was a hundred years old. It just went back way too far. And um, I'll look at all of those newspaper articles, read through, kind of find out some themes, and then I'll go and like make clippings. So I just get I just go chronologically make clippings and then I kind of look at things. Sometimes I look at things and I have to look at more keywords that are related to it because only like I might look up manual arts and then there's a big part of it that one of the newspaper archives aren't really picking up on. Um, and then I also like looking at uh, permits. Like the LA City has a huge database of online permits. They can tell you when a building was demolished, when it was built, uh, modifications that were made to it. So anytime I'm telling a history about a particular building, I typically go there. Um, and then I think I do look at YouTube sometimes. I, I kind of wish South LA had more of a presence. Um, I think competition is good for one. And I, I do wish like there was more to kind of bounce my work off of sometimes. Oftentimes, it's like if a news publication is doing it, is, is writing on the topic, it's something special. Like, you know, maybe they're talking about the Watts train station in the 40th anniversary of the Watts uprising. Um, or, 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 you know, just something very timely that they can just get in and get out. So there's a lot of that. Once I do all of the research, I look at everything and I just start writing a draft. It's a really bad draft, start writing a draft. And then from those drafts, like for a week, just keep on writing it, writing it over. I joke with people all the time, like you're in elementary school and they say, oh, you gotta do draft one, draft two, you gotta do your revisions, your edits, your final, ver like that's me. Like yeah. several drafts. And then I'll film it. But yeah, the process of like the research and stuff, looking at books, LAPL is a great, the Los Angeles Public Library, great other resource too. Uh, their vertical files, sometimes the books that people have written are just not on the internet anywhere. It can really guide a story. Yeah, I was gonna ask you, uh, <clears throat> as far as like newspaper research, uh, I, I think uh, you were on the Beyond the Facade podcast. Shout mm -hmm. out to Doña Junta and Sabrina. Absolutely. Um, that you said that uh, you rely a lot on newspapers.com. And I think you said that like the the stuff that you get on, on uh, the LA Public Library, you can't access newspapers.com. Yeah, you have, you have your own subscription to that, right? Yeah, they have, uh, it, if I can recall correctly, and this could be wrong, I think with your library card, you have like a basic subscription. So you don't get the full newspapers extra plus, which has like a lot of important LA Times articles. Um, that can really kind of give you a bird's eye view of concepts. Uh, but they do have ProQuest, which works. Like if you're looking at the LA Sentinel, that's something that's not on newspaper.com but does live on ProQuest. So there's there's a place for both, I think. Okay, yeah, I know, because I, I, I use the LA Public Library a lot, and yeah, it's definitely ProQuest. So yeah, now I might have to look into to, to getting a newspaper.com <laughs> subscription, because, uh, no, because it's like, seriously, man, like in your videos, like the, the newspaper clippings, uh, the the permits, all that stuff, man, like it like it just adds so much to the videos. Like when you when you mention, you know, that, uh, you know, so-and-so was quoted as saying this, and, you know, you highlight the quote in the newspaper article, or you say, you know, 
this building was demolished or built or the permit was built for this and then you know you go ahead and show that actual permit i mean that that it adds a lot of visual elements to the video so it, it's great so i definitely need to look into that because uh, i need i need more newspaper clippings in my in my videos yeah i think just just on that uh there is a book one thing about me, and I have to really work on it, I'm terrible about remembering authors' names. Like, people are like, hey, what are you reading? And I'm like, I'm reading this great book on X, and I can't tell you who wrote it. Um, <laughs> but it was, um, like, I'm very interested in just, like, documentary filmmaking. And one thing that sets aside good documentary in, in this book talks about, like, the presentation of evidence. And I've kind of, like, incorporated that into my own philosophy on the recap, where... Like, you can have talking heads, you can have people talking about stuff, but it's really about presenting evidence to move your story forward. So I'm really big on, like like you said, the permits, on newspaper articles, on things that are just kind of like solidified fact. Because, you know, it's great talking to people. They can add a lot of personality to story, a lot of flair. Uh, but the memory is not the most, you know, dependable thing. No, I mean, to totally. I mean, like, uh, you know... Um... I have, you know, like I come from a, from a history background, right? I have a degree in history. I work in archives, um, and yeah, definitely like you know, uh, primary sources are way more reliable than a secondary source. And even then, a primary source, um, you know, you can consider somebody's uh, memories or interview, you know, a primary source. But sometimes, like you said, if somebody's getting interviewed 10, 15, 20 years after the fact, um, yeah, they 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 sometimes recall things. You know differently than they actually happened or they start to mix memories together so you can actually have like a newspaper article that was written you know at the time or you know uh, news footage or you know something that that was documented of that time it definitely lends more weight to that evidence not to discount somebody's memory mm -hmm. but the thing is like you know like the human memory is very sort of fickle you know you sort of start to merge memories together or you forget details or names or dates you know that kind of stuff just like i did <laughs> no i mean i'd say like you know i i i have that problem with dates everyone's always you know i'm like because when i was in you know we were in school i was studying history it was always you just thought it was just memorizing names and dates and you know once i went to college it was like no history is more about you know you come up with a you say you make a statement you say oh this cause this and then you have to find evidence to support your claim you know mm -hmm. that so it was sort of that's how I learned in college what what the study of history was so to me memorizing dates became less important so people ask me hey when was whatever my like, dude let me get back to you because I don't remember <laughs> I, know, I know I just talked about it last week but I don't remember what date that was so yeah no I I'm as far as that's concerned yeah my memory fails me like names and dates all the time um, so it, it was funny early on you said that you know like the 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 history of the high schools wasn't your favorite ones to do uh but you know but yet it's like the uh, like a big chunk of the videos that you've done right mm -hmm. um you know from um manual arts to john c fremont to george washington um funny thing though i, I didn't i did read somewhere that you grew up near lock high school uh -huh. um, but there's no lock high school video so one is uh why first of all let's, let's get that out of the way how come there's no no lock video yet <laughs> So lock, I've decided is going to be my last video. Okay, all right. Um, each video, I like to think when I look back, I've gotten like better and better and better at storytelling. Um, I think, you know, there's smaller steps, but like better, they're more visually pleasing, the story works a little bit better. Um, my mom and my sister both went to lock in two different periods in the 
uh, early 80s and early 2000s. And um, I want to make sure that I capture their stories in it. So Locke is coming. Um, my grandmother's house was the block next to Locke. Like there's, uh, it used to be Tacos Juliet right there on 111th and um, 111th Street in Avalon. Probably some other taco or burger place now. And then my grandmother's house was, was like two buildings down. Um, but yeah, so Locke is coming. Next is going to be Jordan, uh, which is another really old school. So I'm not looking forward to doing it, but I am looking forward <laughs> to seeing how it can help people understand it. And then your second one was, uh, why are they a chunk, a big chunk? Yeah, I was say like, like how, how did that end up being like, you know, like was that, because uh, cause now that you mentioned that, you know, that you were kind of wanted to like do a history on the, on the, on the schools there, it makes more sense. Because I was wondering like, how is it that, um, they became like a big chunk of the videos that you make, but you kind of touched upon that a little earlier, but you know, how, how did that become, come about? Yeah, I think, um, one, the people that I do make the content for, they really like them, which, you know, everybody loves their high school. They want to like, when you see your high school, you're like, oh yeah, well, most people, if you had a good high school experience. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> I always told them, I, I went to Huntington Park High School. I always tell everybody that Greece was filmed there. That's like our big claim to fame. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think like it's a big it's it's a big part of I, I think schools are a big part of who people are. And I think that schools are also a big part about how a community is and how it's defined. Because for like very like formative years happen in high school. So it's like the experience you get is like the stamp, the impression that you get of your neighborhood of like, hey, like this is this is what X neighborhood is. Um, for South LA schools, I, I hear all the time, doesn't matter anyone, all the original ones, we're not even talking about the charter schools yet, uh, but like all of the schools, they're like, oh, like Dorsey, that's a bad school. Oh, Fremont, that's a bad school. Jefferson, that's a bad school. Uh, Crenshaw, oh man, like that's a bad, like you just hear people, I've heard people say this so many times. And part of doing the recap was to uncover. It's like, I heard stories about what my grandmother told me about how the neighborhood of Locke was when there used to be farms and she had white people as neighbors. And that's not the case now. So when I looked at John C. Fremont, I was like, well, let me start with this school. I passed by it the other day when I did that video, before I did that video. And I wanted to know, I'm like, well, people say this isn't a great school. Why is it not a great school? Uh, just sort of like you mentioned with history is like, how do we get to point A to point B? And um, what I found so fascinating about John C. Fremont was like it was a completely different world. Um, this is, of course, outside of like the, the boringness of like going through all the newspaper ar archives. But you see, like it was a school that literally shaped that Goodyear track, like the school was built these homes just sort of to pop up. Um, there were parent groups that wanted to keep the school all white. And it's like, wait, hold on, no. Like, um, black people, Latino people go to John C. Fremont. Like, the neighborhood has always been bad. And then you see, like, oh, wait, no, the neighborhood started this one way, and then all of the schools sort of have that track record of, like, around 1965, after the Watts uprising, suddenly, neighborhood changes just overnight LA Times just stops reporting on the neighborhood like and that's what I found like even sometimes when I look back at some of that stuff 
I, I even thought I would see like racist ads and stuff and that would be like just demeaning towards people. But I found out that the true racism of journalism was just not covering it. <laughs> no, that's, that's fascinating because that, like, that was actually one of, one of the follow-up questions of the topic was like if there was a common thread amongst those that you really wanted people to like to notice. One of the things I noticed was, you know, like you said, like that, that you know, after this, you know, every single, almost every single video you talk about is that, you know, once, once the Watts uprising happened, you know, there's sort of like that shift in demographics. And then you start to notice that the, that the yearbook has a little bit more people of color, that, that a school that was used to be predominantly white is not predominantly black. Um, but that, that's very interesting you said that, that sort of like not overt racism, but like racism by omission kind of. Yeah, that, that's definitely something that I, you know, um, until you said it right now, like you know, it, I, I hadn't thought about that. Uh, that's, that's a very good way to put it. Definitely. So I think um, there's a story to tell and like the end result, it's, it's fascinating to see these campuses just like evolve over time. So it's and, and no one really talks about the fact that they were in completely different versions of South L.A. that exist today. During during the research that you've done on, on the schools, um, is there something that you've discovered that was just like so fascinating or just, you know, like a fact that you're like, oh, I had no idea that existed, like something that was like just kind of like made you be like, what? Like that was a thing in, in that high school. Like, is there anything like that you came across? I think one that's very interesting is um, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but I think just doing history kind of makes you one sometimes. Uh, I find so interesting that many of these schools that were around in the early 20s and 30s uh, in South LA all had aeronautical programs. Like, you kind of want to know, like, how, how did people get families that, you know, come from pilots? And you see, they had, like, free evening classes to learn how to fly planes. These same very schools where you could barely get them to not double block kids in math and English, they were offering, George Washington was offering flight classes. Uh, I think Dorsey has some sort of flight history too. There's a couple of other ones and I was like, that's so crazy. Number one, like in World War II, again, this is conspiracy, so sorry, this is not completely fact. Like. Flying planes was huge. That was huge for U.S. domination victory. And it's like it was all already kind of prepped <laughs> in these schools. These were just the working class schools. So we're not even talking about the other schools, but like this idea of like expanding aviation through uh, high schools was an idea that was just so amazing. Uh, Susan Dorsey? I think, oh, can't remember, the namesake for Dorsey High School, she was the superintendent of LA schools over the t over, at the time, and she was like really uh, kind of hesitant to, to have George Washington build the school district's first aeronautical program. Um, and then after it seemed that the success of that school led to it being implemented to so many other schools, especially in South LA, because there was so much land, uh, to be able to build areas. Uh, to either work on planes and in some cases, I don't know if they flew them, but they did learn how to fly the mechanics of flying. Um, but yeah, that was probably the most fascinating thing that I've seen in a lot of the original high schools in South LA. That was actually the thing that caught my attention too in your, in your videos was the aeronautics program. And I, I didn't think about what you said, but yeah, sort of like sort of prepping 
the future pilots of 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 the of the you know of the of the armed forces kind of thing. I, I hadn't thought about that. I don't think that's too much of a conspiracy because <laughs> it it, it kind of makes sense. Um, and then the, the the other one for me was uh, finding out that basket weaving was actually a thing. Yeah, I think I think it was manual arts where you like you said that they had basket weaving, and I thought I thought that was always just a joke they used to make fun of for like you know. Um, you know, like Matt Leinert or whoever at USC, like, oh, he was taking ballroom dancing or basket weaving his senior year for, you know, an extra year of eligibility. So, um, yeah, that, 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 that's crazy. It's definitely like, um, yeah, basket weaving was my favorite, my favorite thing to learn. But yeah, the aeronautics thing was just fascinating. And now, now I'm looking at it in, with that, that tinfoil, not, not tinfoil hat on, but I definitely, it definitely, it's, it's more plausible than saying that the, that the earth is flat or, you know, whatever kind of thing, right? Right. And I also want to add on there, um, this is kind of embarrassing for me. I've heard manual arts for like years. Like people are like, oh, manual arts, manual arts. And it didn't really occur to me until like I actually looked at it and then look at the toilers and I was like, oh, they did manual arts. Because it's like now it's just math and science. They're like so far removed from their name. But it was just kind of crazy to see like, no, this school was literally for manual arts. <laughs> what, I guess it's like that thing where, you know, you repeat the, the thing so many times and you kind of like lose all, it's sort of like, you know, people say like Knott's Berry Farm and they just, it's just a theme park. But then when you like think about it, you're like, well, it's Knott's Berry Farm. It's literally started as a berry farm, but you know, right. there's nothing, you know, yeah, they have the boysenberry festival, you know, but it's not like they're still growing berries, you know, <laughs> or, you know, they have like ranch land or whatever, you know, right. but it's like sort of, yeah, I guess once, if it's sort of like that, it loses the context in which it was created. It sort of kind of loses that meaning. So yeah, no, I, 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 I used to say manual arts all the time, and I never knew, you know, it was just like manual arts. Okay, well, you know, okay, <laughs> you never really <laughs> give it a second thought, you know. Um, now I'm gonna go go throw it back to I guess I guess it would be considered like the first uh, sort of in, in the current iteration of the South LA recap, the first video you did where you talked about basically saying like, is it South LA or is it South Central? Um, how did how did uh, you start researching that that video? I, I know I know you said it was like a like a Google search, but like how, how did you start doing like the actual like research of like trying to trying to track down the origin of or what the proper name is for for that for the area? Yeah, I think if anything, I always have a thought in my head about like redoing that video because it's like that's the very first one, and I'm like, oh, there's so many things I probably should have done. Um, well, I'll start with that's the whole reason the South LA recap exists because I remember um, I when I, I went to school in New Orleans, I got a job doing New uh, New Orleans architecture and neighborhoods. I learned so much about neighborhoods and what they were called, and people had like. Uh, just this, uh, I can't even think of the word, but they were just like so devoted to like what their neighborhood was called. You could not mess it up. You could not call it anything else. So when I came back to uh, LA in 2018 in South LA, um, I, I just remember people say, oh, South Central. Then you hear people say South Los Angeles. And then you'd hear some people like South Central Los Angeles. And I'm just like, isn't it funny how like this region just like, goes back and forth like I remember when they did the name change in city council they were like we're just gonna call it South LA and that's that that will fix all the problems did nothing it just made more confusion so um, 
I didn't even know where to start. I, I, I think there was like one article on KCET that kind of like attempted to answer it. And just, I remember just looking on Google and feeling almost defeated in that search. Like I wanted, like Google can give me anything else. Like, uh, is this headache going to mean the end of my life? There's like 50 articles that Google can give me to say, yes, it is. <laughs> um, but it could not give me anything to say like, hey, like, South Central, South LA. So I was like thinking about like my political science research I had done in, in the past and then thinking about my journalism. I was like, okay, let me do a poll. Um, let me think of some of the tools that I know that I could use to kind of figure things out. That's when I was using the Google Ngram Viewer, which um, if you've looked at any of the rest of my videos, I've never used that tool since. <laughs> I don't know why, I guess there just hasn't been a need for it. But it was, I always thought it was a really cool tool. No, it, it was, it was fascinating. <laughs> yeah, so that one was really cool. But I just, that, so I, I made a video and I was like, just that was my first question, like, what is it called and why? Um, and that's when I kind of got into history at that point. Like, I never really thought about exploring history, but I had to to answer this question. And it just seemed kind of helpful. So um, that was the start of it. And then I learned about like historic South Central. Like I kind of heard about that. I didn't recognize that it was a neighborhood at the time. Um, I learned about Central Avenue, which, you know, in school, I never really had an opportunity to learn about. I learned about uh, the expansion of the region over time, about my mom used to tell me stories about uh, how the region used to be called Southwest Los Angeles. And I'm like, uh, what, what, do you, what do you mean? And then like thinking about it, like Southwest College on Imperial, like, Yes, <laughs> someone said it before. Um, and then I just sort of like found all these places that I can pull from and uh, just kind of um, figure out like, can you even find a definitive answer for this? But um, yeah, I think that's, that's just how it, how it started. Even now there's a big debate. I, I've been called a gentrifier uh, for using South LA because that's, that is the term that I've just decided to embrace moving forward. I don't think that I have to put it on anybody else. I never correct anybody else if they say something else, but that's the term that I use. Uh, but there's people feel, some people feel like South Central is like what it is and they don't want it to be removed. Other people are like 100% okay walking away from it. But uh, nonetheless, just a very interesting debate. Yeah, I mean, it was fascinating for me to learn um, that, you know, the South LA term predates the South Central term. Um, you know, when, when I was living there, um, and then even growing up, you know, called it South Central, but, you know, sort of, like you said, uh, there was a, you ended the video with a really great quote, uh, where you basically said, like, um, you know, who's right? You said, you know, both are right. You know, it, it all boils down to what you identify the most, you know, the, and I thought that was like really like powerful when you said either the struggle and resiliency of South Central or the opportunity of South LA. And I thought that was like a perfect way to sort of like, you know, King Midas, like, uh, I mean, King Solomon, sorry, <laughs> King Solomon right down the middle, kind of like split the baby in half, you know, kind of like, you're both right. It just depends on what you identify with the most. So that, that was, that was great. That was, a, that was a great, great way to end that video, man. Um, one of the other things that I wanted to ask you about, because uh, it was another one, I mean, all, all your videos are great, man. Everything's, you know, fascinating. I could talk to you like for six hours about your videos, <laughs> but um, one of the other ones that was like super fascinating was one on the Slauson swap meet, you know, just, you know, the history of it going from 
basically a house with a barn to stores to like a factory and then you know being you know becoming the, the indoor swap meet um and that kind of drives the point that i've always made to people that there's always if you look hard enough you're gonna find an expert in something you know <laughs> i remember watching like the history channel and they had a, a, a civil war submarine expert and i was like i didn't even know you can specialize in that so you you actually found somebody that was an expert in indoor in the history of indoor swap meets so how did you how did you end up linking linking up with the I think uh, Dr. Alex Stewart right? Yep. How did you end up linking up with him? Um, I remember like Google searching on the Slauson Swap Meet, and um, it's funny that video and the web article like ranks in the top five of Google searches for Slauson Swap Meet because there's just like nothing else like it. Um, and so before this video, which I think I just published like a year ago yesterday, um, I was like you know, putting the quotes around sloths and swap me and seeing like what kind of research I can find. And I think somewhere around like the fourth or fifth page, I found like this research journal and there was this uh, um, either, I can't remember if he was a graduate student at the time or an actual professor, but he wrote like this um, thesis on swap meets. And he was like fascinated about the indoor swap meets and he visited like a bunch throughout Los Angeles and I just, you know, my journalistic thing is just like reach out, like shoot them an email. You're, you're talking about something that someone is really interested in. Most times they'll agree to talk to you. And in this case, he was fascinated with my work and he agreed to talk to me. I think I always tell people it's the coolest thing. I'm still waiting for his book to come out. He's, he has a whole book dedicated to the indoor swap meet phenomenon that just kind of swept Los Angeles and I think part of Nevada. Um, if not Las Vegas in, um, you know, 1980s through almost the early 2000s. Um, but yeah, I just sort of reached out. I just ran across his article. I really love looking at uh, historical, um, not historical, but I, I really love looking at academic articles that sort of explore things because they kind of have like this same vigor that I always say that I temporarily have for a subject. So like they're in it 365, seven days a week, and then I'm in it for like as long as it takes to get this video done. Yeah. Then don't ask me about it afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> and here I am asking about it afterwards, right? <laughs> but no, that, that's great, man. Because like you said, like uh, I'm sure people like like him, you know, that you know they're they're so into that, uh, you know, thinking that they're probably like you know screaming into the void about you know this how interesting this this subject is and having somebody like you reach out to them. I'm sure that made his day to be like, hey, somebody's found my work and they're interested in talking to me about the, my work because I mean you know like in the grand scheme of things a lot of people were like okay indoor swap meets who cares but I'm like I, I found that fascinating like I said the whole movement away from all these places that were industrial sites and sort of the deindustrialization of a lot of these places and then finding like a second use for these buildings you know and it's fascinating that you know because um, I you know like I've been to the Slauson swap meet I've been to the Alameda swap meet I've been to you know all these other swap meets you don't give it a second thought you know, and then it's like, but then when you think about it, it's, oh yeah, the Alameda swap meet, that is kind of in like a weird place where there's like factories all around it. The Slauson swap meet, it is in kind of that weird kind of like, there's a lot of warehouses around it. It's like, well, you know, until you, you, you shine the light on that, you know, and I never thought twice about it. Now, now when I see a swap meet, I'm like, oh, I wonder what, what factory used to be there, what warehouse used to be there kind of thing, you know? So that, that, that was, that was great. That's why it was one of my favorite ones. Um, continuing on talking about your research, man. Um, is there anything that you've 
come across in your research is so fascinating that just sent you down a rabbit hole that you just couldn't get yourself out of that you had you were like man I just got to keep digging and digging and digging into this I think you know I think you asked me earlier like one of my favorite videos um, and, and thinking about that there was one I think my favorite one to tell and to research was the Broadway Hospital it was I just couldn't fathom how, when this hospital was built, I think in the early, either in the 40s and 50, or 50s, I just couldn't fathom, like, it was so successful. I mean, they just said, it is state of the art. There were like 50 babies born here last week. Everybody was being sent to this hospital. They got an emergency uh, uh, contract with the LA County to be a, a center of like emergency cases. They were just like, Every year I was reading, I was like, what could go wrong? How? It doesn't make any sense. And I think that's sort of like the story um, path that a lot of South LA stories take. It's, it's always like, here was something that was really great, and then suddenly it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think, unfortunately, from a storytelling perspective, makes for a really great story. It's like this rise and fall of something. And often things in the neighborhood are, are seen at this point as a form of revitalization or rebirth. Um, unfortunately, that hospital isn't reborn. And I find it like so ironic. People were talking about how South LA just doesn't have like enough hospitals, but then there's like at least three that closed down. So they weren't saved and all of a sudden their performance just dropped where they just needed to close down. So yes, I think the Broadway Hospital, that one is just, they had everything right. There's no reason that hospital should have failed, but it did when the neighborhood changed. Yeah, I was gonna say that the, the, um, the rise and the fall of the Broadway Hospital was also like very sudden, right? It was like four decades from the time it was conceived until it was closed down and destroyed. Um, Medi-Cal fraud, uh, there, there, there's, there's another, when I used to be an EMT, we used, to, we used to go to Metro Western, which is right there. We used to be right there off, off of like, uh, off the 10 freeway on Western Avenue. And uh, that place also, I th think, got caught up in like Medicare, Medi-Cal fraud. And, wow. you know, I think, I think they finally tore it down because it was like, it sat like abandoned for, for a long time. So uh, it's unfortunate, man, <laughs> you know, because I'm making like uh, South LA is a place that's like underserved with hospitals. So definitely it, it sucks that, you know, that was taken away but yeah that that broadway hospital video it's another it's another good one man i'm telling you like all your videos are good man I, I'm, I'm a huge fan um wanted to ask you as, as somebody who who's constantly you know you know is a content creator um are there things that you struggle with when like creating these videos like do you get like writer's block or you know some other sort of thing that kind of gets in the way and how do you how do you move past that um i wouldn't say writer's block too much i learned um I, I write, like, the South LA recap, like, some people are like, oh, this is your job. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I always say, this is my service. <laughs> and my job, I write professionally. Um, and that's not to say that writer's block doesn't exist, but I've learned that writer's block is linked to not knowing what you have to write about. So like when it's not organized in your mind, you got writer's block. So I always know like I don't know enough about something when I don't have it. So that 
that is something that, you know, in this research, I have never kind of like come across. The biggest thing is motivation. I just published the Fat Burger video with you and I haven't been on newspapers.com. I have not, I have responded to YouTube videos. I haven't been doing research. I'm thinking about like, you know, I have my next video planned. Haven't started it. Just been chilling, just sitting back, feet up, spending time with my daughter, spending time with my wife, playing a couple of video games, just everything that you're just not supposed to do. And I just kind of learned, like, that's the thing I struggle with, but at the same time, I've learned, like, you know, when I first started the recap, I was putting out videos, like, every single week. And I've learned that when I kind of take that time away from it, uh, I make better videos. Uh, because it's not just a race against the clock, but it's like, okay, let's kind of let that motivation recharge, kind of, like, soak in. People are like, oh, that video did well. Maybe I get a comment. I haven't gotten one in a while, which kind of worries me, where they're just like, that's not right. Or like the Wrigley Field people, they're just like, that's not right. And I'm like, well, where are your sources? Because my video's full of them. Um. <laughs> it's always the, uh, the, trust me, bro. <laughs> it's like, okay, like, tell me, like, what you're talking about. I had an article that, like, and several more to back them up. Whatever. Um, but... That's the biggest thing is sometimes like, I don't know, I'm, I'm human. I just don't feel like it. <laughs> no, I mean, that, that's, that's definitely a thing, you know, trying to find that motivation. But you say you also have to like, you know, this, this isn't your full time job. You got to recharge the batteries a little bit, you know, and I mean, you know, you, you have a, you have a, you know, have a brand new baby, you know, so there, there's priority shift. But you said like, I, th I think your push is, is, is great to sort of like let the motivation recharge and come back to you. Definitely. Because it, it's, uh, it, it's time consuming and it's you know it's a lot of i mean i can imagine it's you know hundreds of hours i, I think i think you said that for your your uh the village green is like 200 hours <laughs> worth of work right so it's like yeah definitely like it's it, it it's it's a it it's work but it's it's a work of passion you right. know and, and you saw you also have to be able to take care of yourself and recharge right and i've learned like um i'm sure you even know about this like at the at the core of marriage right they, I've heard old people say, um, and I like really believe, like it's not the passion, it's the commitment. Same thing with the re with the recap. Same thing with Californiaography. Is like my passion will fade. Like after I do a video, I'm walking away from it. But my commitment of like this work still needs to continue is always at the back of my head, pushing forward. Like, hey, when are we gonna do tax coffee? Or, hey, when are we going to do this story that someone asked about? So I always say, like, struggling with motivation, but that commitment has just always been there. And even when it's not, my wife and my mom are like, no, you're going to keep going. And I'm very thankful for that because, like, I now can look back at this for two and a half years. And even when I was ready to quit, when I was ready to quit before the Sloth and Swap Meet video, well before the Broadway video, well before all of these other ones, they kind of kept me going. So I really appreciate them for that. And I think if anybody learns anything from the recap, one, you should definitely learn what's in South LA, but two, is the fact that whatever you work on, whatever it is, you don't give up. I remember I thought I'd never get to a thousand subscribers. I'm like, this work is doomed.
why I was just being overly dramatic just because. Um, <laughs> now, two and a half years later, there are 2,400 plus people that agree with the work that I'm doing, right? And they want to see this work. So even when I started the first four videos, I had no idea what I was doing. I started off with like three subscribers. So it is literally the commitment that makes the work as important as it is. And yeah, that's just that moment I wanted to share. Yeah, no, that, no that's great, man. Cause that, that's stuff that I need to hear too, you know, cause you get caught up in, um, you kind of lose focus of why, you, why you're doing what you're doing. You start to worry about the subscriber numbers or followers or this and that. But it's like at the core of it, it's like, you know, people are fickle sometimes, you know, they get bored, they unsubscribe, whatever, that's fine. But like the people that, that are there all the time that are, you know, giving suggestions or commenting or always watching, like, you know, you're doing it because that's what you want to do, but also in, in a little way for those people that are always there, you say, like commenting, say, hey man, thanks for doing this. Cause you know, uh, I, no one ever says anything positive about South LA or that, that this part of my, this part of this neighborhood or that building or this. So it's definitely motivation to, to sort of like realize like, you know, just focus on what you're doing, the, the commitment and you know, everything else will kind of fall into place. Right, and it's, it's like greater than yourself. Like I always, and, and you know, there's like this fine line of like surface and being egotistical that you kind of walk sometime in this work because it's like, look, it's on, I don't know about you, it's on my social media channel. I don't really, I really don't like social media. I, I don't, I don't like Instagram. YouTube is cool. Um, and it's like, sometimes it gets to your head. Like you're looking, you got like 95 likes and you're like, oh yeah, like maybe I am the best content creator of all time. No, 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 no. I always try to bring it back. It is. It's not about the likes or me or whatever it is. It's about the service that I'm providing. It's, ab it's about the service that you're providing. It's about bridging the knowledge gap of, of the past so people can make better decisions about the future. That's great, man. See, you're just a quote machine, man. That's a, that's a great, that's a great quote, man. No, I just read a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, before, before I let you go, man, because I know, I know you're, you're, you're busy, um, I want to ask, man, if you had to make an itinerary for somebody to go visit South LA, you know, maybe like you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, maybe a couple spots to see, like, what would that itinerary look like for somebody that's going to take a Saturday and go go check out South LA. You know, you gave me these questions beforehand and I looked at this one and I'm like, oh, I'm really gonna think about this one before he asked me it. And I didn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> let me think, actually I did think about the first part. So breakfast, I would probably say, you wanna make your way over to Tax Coffee Shop. Really cool history, uh, likely my next video. Um, the history goes back all the way to the 60s with the Holiday Bowl um, and it's a family-owned restaurant that has just really um, just blossomed in the community and is a, is a true staple especially for a lot of the long-term residents. So I would say definitely stop there. Stop by the Crenshaw Mall while you still can. The days are numbered. I am not in charge of that but I can tell you with the research I've done the days are numbered. <laughs> it's right down the street. Um, lunch? Ooh, I don't know. Mm. Mm. That's a hard one. I wish Ari was here. She could. Oh, I can tell you. Lunch. <laughs> we had our LA historians meet up there. 
uh, I can never say it. Mercado La Paloma. Oh, Mercado La Paloma? Yes, thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I think that food hall is great. You get a taste of a lot of the ethnic flavors that are within the region and even beyond. Um, and I really just like local, small, like mom and pop owned things. I think we live in Los Angeles. Everything here is a chain. I always think about like when people sometimes move out to like Menifee or like some of these new, like all the manufactured communities, no offense if you live in one. Um, but you just see these big box stores. They're like the same chains, like everywhere. Like this is, that's what those communities look like. LA used to be very mom and pop, but it's like any new shopping center, you just see like chains popping up. So any chance I think in this big city you can get to, to really support a local business, like definitely. Uh, dinner, I'd probably say it's date night and Harold's and Bell, uh, I think near the Jefferson Park neighborhood. That's probably like one of the fanciest, or you could do brunch or dinner at the Delicious at the Dunbar, which I think is an excellent restaurant. Uh, and you get to be in the historic Dunbar Hotel, which is like really cool. That's great, man. It's like two birds with one stone with, with the suggestions. It's like history and food, you know? Now <laughs> that's gonna be my excuse to get Ellie to go to these places. <laughs> All right, man, well, before I let you go, um, you know, I, I got inspired. There's a podcast I listen to called The Hit of History of LA, and he hits people with these five questions. So I took a little inspiration from those five questions that came up with my own sort of version of those. Uh, you know, Californiography deals with California, so I kind of a little more broad than just LA. But, you know, if your answers are just LA, that, that's fine too. It's not a problem. Um, so the first question is, what's your, what's either what's your favorite California like food chain or your favorite local place to eat? Hmm. So, um, I really like Chipotle, but I'm going to try really hard here. Mm. Oh, I can tell you exactly what it is. East LA, La Azteca. That's a good one. Yeah, no, that's a good one, man. That, uh, that chile relleno burrito. Boy. <laughs> man. <laughs> that's it. That's oh, the no, that, no, dude, that, that's, that, that's up. That's good, man. No, thanks. Respect, respect for that. Um, second question, what's your favorite uh, California musician, band, artist, or writer? Hmm. That's a, that's a, that is a hard one. I think... I don't think I have a musician or band. Maybe Maroon 5 when Songs About Jane came out. <laughs> I wouldn't say that now. Um, so I don't know about band. I'm really bad with writer names. I think everybody at LAS is really cool. Um, that's a hard one. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take the Maroon 5 question. Maroon 5 answer, man. That's good, that's a good one. Um, What's your favorite uh, local historical fact, historical site, or museum? Hmm. One museum that I really like right now is the Japanese American Museum in Little Tokyo. Um, I think that one was eye-opening because I learned about internment. And um, I just didn't real, like, you just kind of skim through it in history books. Like, oh, yeah, they were interned, and then they came back. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Def yeah, I... I Last year we went to Manzanar, which is one of the camps, and yeah, like actually going there and seeing the sort of like where where they where they lived and learning a little more mm -hmm. about you know how they were uprooted and 
lost their their homes and businesses. Yeah, it's definitely something you said. It's definitely skimmed over in in our history books. Is it's you know if you're lucky to learn about it, it's probably like a sentence or a paragraph. So right. yeah, definitely. Um, what is uh, next question is uh, what is your favorite book, movie, or TV show that takes place in California? Movie would have to be Five Hundred Days of Summer. That's a good one. That's a good one. That, that that's a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and finally, man, if you could go back in time to any year in California's past for one day, what year would you choose and why? Sometimes I'm very skeptical of going back before. I was like, 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 we, like we, could, we could quantify this answer because 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 I, 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 I had this before, too. Like if you could go back and, and be invisible and not, you know, have to deal with, you know, with, you know, the whatever, you know, the, the segregation, the, you know, uh, the, the negative stuff yeah. of the past, obviously, if you could go back and, and sort of just experience it without experiencing that part of it is there is, is there a specific <laughs> year that you would go back to yeah not not to say that i lived my life through race alone but i'm just like mm, you know those weren't really the good old days no uh, i mean no yeah. it, it's, it's definitely i mean for, for people like me and you man that's definitely a, a thing that you know you have to kind of think about so no i i told i totally understand i think my my grandmother uh she came to los angeles I think around 1954 and in my research I think she's always in the back of my head when I kind of think about it because like when she was there the 110 freeway was like just finished the southern part of it like the south LA was still new um there, there was so much going on like fat burger was like was in its prime right uh this, all of the schools were doing like they were doing very well and there was just so much room for expansion for LA so that would probably be the year I would love to see Los Angeles in 1950 in the 1950s when it was still new and before like you know the push to the suburbs was like a really big thing like when the city was I kind of think at its peak yeah no that's 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 great you know to kind of sort of go back and kind of see what your grandma saw you know that would that would definitely be a great year to go back to um eric man thank you so much for for coming down man to show me i mean uh this we, we met at this uh cafe over here next to frogtown uh la, la cologne right yeah la cologne la cologne and you know sitting next to the la river doing this interview so i mean thank you for showing me this part of la man because i've 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 never been to the the nice part of the la river man so so thank you for that <laughs> and thank you for having me on your show like you know I'll tell you the same thing online, offline, like you still have to keep doing what you're doing in your work. Your work is inspirational. I look at it all the time and I kind of use it as a mirror in my own kind of competitive way because like you tell really good stories. And I'm like, okay, what are some other elements that I can kind of like pull and be inspired from from you? But really thanks for doing this podcast, for teaching everyone about California and like even going in, into like behind the creators of of who makes a lot of this content. So this work is definitely necessary. So thanks for just finding interest in me. No, no, thank, thank you for the kind words, man. And you're, you're an interesting dude, man. Who wouldn't find you interesting? <laughs> thanks again, Eric. I cannot express how grateful I am to Eric for being so gracious with his time and for his kind words of encouragement. I wasn't joking when I said that I can literally talk to him for hours about his work. 
I will leave a link in the episode description to his YouTube, website, and socials. Please make sure to give him a follow on all the platforms. He's doing important work shining a light on the stories in South LA that often get overlooked. If you haven't checked out our collaboration on the history of Fatburger, I'll link to that as well. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Californiography Podcast. Make sure to subscribe here and to my YouTube channel and follow me on social media. I would really appreciate it. Until next time when we, because remember, it's you and me, continue to explore the history that's in our own backyard that we call California. All right, talk to you soon.